So uh, I want to do this. I know last week we talked about, um, started a series just called Frontline. Everyone say Frontline. All right. We talked about um, uh, bringing our faith up to the front line. Talked about one of the uh, probably most uh, popular stories that you'll see in the Bible is David and Goliath. You know, how many learned that in Sunday school? How many learned that at home from your mom at one point or somebody you hear that story, David and Goliath? And I want to stay in that vein today and talk about the front line. I believe that um, as, as believers that we are in a fight. I'm not talking about a physical fight. I'm talking about a spiritual fight. I believe we live in a time and a place um, where the enemy is throwing everything he has at the church and at us. Amen. And so we have to be uh, uh, diligent in what we're doing and um, for the Lord. And so I want to just uh, talk to you. The front line is where the battle is the fiercest, right? That's where, the, that's where it is. And it's where uh, we probably feel the most vulnerable and weak. Uh, for those of you who have served in the military and served overseas somewhere, when you get into battle, you feel maybe, maybe you feel a little bit courageous, your adrenaline's flowing, but maybe you feel a little bit vulnerable and weak. But but I like what in First First Timothy uh, chapter six verse twelve Paul tells Timothy to he says this fight the good fight everyone say fight the good fight all right uh, fight the good fight of faith I like that spiritually speaking as believers we we oftentimes when we get into a spiritual battle uh, we want to retract we want to to back up we want to retreat from the front lines and can I tell you this I said this last week. God did not call us as believers and Christians just to sit back and stay out of the fight. God wants us up on the front lines. And so if you have your Bibles, we're going to look at a, a story today. And I want to speak to you on this subject today, front line, the call to overcome. Uh, how many want to overcome today? How many know that God has called you to overcome all the things that, that are in front of you? God has given you victory over those things. And I, I want to I look at this story today. We're going to be in Judges chapter 6, verse 12. And uh, Judges chapter 6, verse uh, verse 12, and if you don't have it, it'll be up on the screen, and when you got it, say, I got it. All right, some of you are looking at the screen, that's how fast you got it right there. I hear some pages turning. I like them old school Bibles because they don't need electricity to run. Uh, man, you can turn them pages, you can find find what the Word of God says, and it says this in, in Judges chapter 6, verse 12, I like this. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. Judges 6.12, it says this, And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. Will you bow your heads with me? God, I pray today, Lord, that you would just begin to God, break strongholds today, not by what I say, but by the anointing of your word. God, the anointing breaks the yoke of bondage. God, I pray, Lord, that those that are, are struggling with situations, God, and, and circumstances, God, I pray today, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would lead and guide, Lord, that it would show us that we can live victorious through you and by you, God, and, and how we live for you. God, I, use me how you see fit today, God. I am just a humble vessel here today, God, and I pray, Lord, that you would anoint this service, God, 
you already have, but God, from this point on, God, I pray that lives would be changed forever by the preaching of your word. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, all right, so how many, how many know have heard of Gideon, this mighty man of valor, and, and, and how many have heard this story in Sunday school? How many have heard this? This is a, a great, great story. There's a lot that we can glean from this story. Um, because there's just a lot of, you know, if you just slow down and read the scripture, there's a lot of things that, that, are, that have application to your life every day. And so, um, but Gideon, you know, he's this guy in the Old Testament. He is a judge, uh, one of the judges before Israel had a, a king. He, he ruled, and, um, um, and, and honestly, he didn't want to rule. Gideon didn't want to rule, but, uh, but uh, God called him. How many know that sometimes we may feel like we can't do something, but God says, I, I see something in you, and I, I've, got, I've got a purpose for you. So it's interesting. Gideon's name literally means one who cuts down. That's pretty interesting, one who cuts down. You know, if you have a landscaping business, you might ought to change the name to Gideon's Landscaping, one who cuts down. Um, and you wouldn't think it if you met him before his encounter with, with this angel of the Lord. See, what we know about Gideon pre, uh, before this meeting was he was weak, he was scared, and he was indifferent. Anybody ever felt weak? Anybody ever felt uh, a, a little bit scared in, in your spirit, not sure how you're going to face the situation? Maybe you got a, a doctor's prognosis that, that doesn't look good, or maybe your family situation, or maybe you're about to lose your job. How many have ever been a little bit scared? And, and so this is where we see Israel. They, they are in this place, and Gideon is, is one. He's the biggest duck in the puddle. For seven years, the Midianites had let, had let the Israelites, they would come down, and the Israelites would plant these fields, and then the Midianites would come in, and they would attack the Israelites over these fields, and then they would plunder, and they would loot, and they would take everything from uh, the field that the Israelites had planted. Everyone say, that's called a thief. All right? It's kind of like some of you people who have gardens. I know Greg Johnson has a garden. I know uh, Don Flynn has a garden. And I know uh, Brandon Banks has. I know these, these different guys that have gardens because they they they're always showing pictures of their garden out there in the lobby to one another. And, but it's kind of like you people with gardens. When you have a garden, if you don't take the right steps... You know what, sometimes in the middle of the night, you may have a rabbit come and eat on your lettuce. Or you may have a possum come and take some of your tomatoes. And you may have a raccoon come and steal some of your, some of your uh, whatever, you know, cucumber. I don't know what raccoons eat. You may have your neighbor come when you're not looking and take some of this stuff out of your garden, right? Oh, I tell you what, when I think about that, it reminds me of this scripture in John 10.10. 10. The Bible says this, speaking of the devil, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. You want to know what the devil's purpose is? To steal, kill, and destroy. You know, the back part of that verse, I love it, and the, it says this, but I have come to give life, and what? Life, what? More abundantly. Amen. How many want abundant life? All right, come on, give Jesus a hand clap of praise. 
But in the battle, the devil's purpose is to do this. Listen to me, young people. The devil's purpose is to steal your future, your God-given calling, your purpose. Listen to me, some of you people, older people in here. The devil wants to come and steal your family. What do you mean by that? He wants to take your kids that you raised in church and get them out of church. He wants to separate them. He wants to pull them out. He wants to, to steal your walk with God. See, this is what we know about the Israelites. They have been taken out of Egypt. Remember, they got a victory coming out of Egypt. They came across uh, the Red Sea, and and, and there we saw uh, 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 Pharaoh, and he is swallowed up by the Red God gave them a great victory. They went to the promised land. They finally moved into the promised land with Joshua, and they are where they are supposed to be, but the enemy has them pigeonholed and has them scared to death. Sometimes God is moving us, and the enemy comes And if he can just keep us inactive, he can keep us from the call of God in our lives. Listen to me, young people. There's nothing in this world that is worth giving up what God, the purpose that God has for you. Nothing. Put it in the blank. Nothing is better than to be right in the center of God's will. So, so here we see this man named Gideon who is existing. He is existing. He is not thriving. He is existing. How many can say, sometimes as a believer, sometimes I, I have found myself where I am just existing and not thriving in what God has called me to do. Anybody ever been there? All right, good. I'm glad that we got honest people in the house today. And, and so Gideon, he is existing. And you know where he is? He is in a wine press threshing wheat. That makes no sense. He is in a wine press threshing wheat. Why was he in a wine press? Well, uh, threshing wheat is what you do back then is it would be in an open field and they would take the wheat and they would throw it in the air and the wind would blow blow the chaff and the, and the good things would come down. And so they would separate those things. But when they did that in the open field, the Midianites saw it and said, oh, it's harvest time. We're going to go down and plunder and take what the Israelites are doing. So, so here we see Gideon, he finds himself in a wine press. Why in a wine press? Because he is down and he is hiding. How many times does the enemy come in and try to bully, try to press us into something that we were not called to be? Come on now. Well, today I want to glean some things from this story. I think there's some beautiful things, some principles that can bring freedom to us in the battle and encourage us against the enemy. Everyone look at your neighbor and say, buckle up. This is what I know about God. Here's, here's the first thing right here, point number one, if you're, if you're a note taker right here. God calls you for what you are, not where you are. God calls you for what you are, not where you are. Boy, I know that's a mouthful right there. Can I tell you this? I don't care if you're 99 years old in this building. I don't care if you're 120 years old. I don't care if you're zero, well, or a few months old or whatever in this building. God has a purpose for your life. God sees where you're going, not where you've been, and not where you're at. God sees potential in you. Everyone, uh, who is it that says that? I, I have potentiality. I, what, isn't there a cartoon that says that? Somebody says, I don't know what it, what it is off the top of my head. And, and it's why we can sing this song, I once was lost, but now I'm 
profound because we understand that God, when he when we were lost, he saw where we could be. Amen. Judges 6, chapter 6, verse 12 says this. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. So we see Gideon here in the wine press, threshing wheat because he fears the Midianites. And I talked about how, how they would thresh out in the open. But here he is. He's in a wine press. Why is he in a wine press? Because they, it is a hole down in the ground. It is a place. It's down in the ground. They would throw the grapes down into the ground. And there was cover, covering and he could hide. And how many know that the enemy wants nothing more than to pigeonhole you and put you down in a hole where you feel like that you have to hide from the enemy. Amen. So look at this. I, I began to think about this this week. This is interesting, but, well, not really interesting. We had men's group on Tuesday night, and I had this great idea. We have this, this, this hole back here in the backside of our property and had some limbs in it. I had this great idea that I would try to, try to burn everything in there. And I started the fire at the beginning of the men's thing, and I thought it wasn't going to take off, and, and, and it was just kind of going. And I had to run to town. I told Jody, I said, hey, I'm going to run to town real fast. And I'm going to go get something. I'll be right back. And, and I leave. And I didn't really think nothing of it because there was no real fire out of this hole back there. And then uh, on my way back, I'm pulling out of where I l was leaving and coming back here. I, and I get, a, I get a text message. And I did something I never should have done. I looked at the text when I was driving, okay. And I looked down. And, and all I see is the hole and this huge fire coming out of this hole. And, and the fence that was around it was melted because the fire took off and I tell you what I said this to the Wednesday night crowd I, man I was flying back to the church as fast as I could because I didn't realize uh, you know and it, it, and it looked way worse than the picture I promise you if I had the picture I'd, I'd put it up there and I thought man the field was going to catch on fire and I thought oh pastor's going to be in trouble because he caught the the field on fire of the church, and, and I came back, and the fire just began to go and go, and it went down. But we have this big hole in there, back there, and, and, and don't go down and get in it. Don't do that. We're about to fill that thing. But you can get down in that hole, and it goes down a, long, a pretty good long ways. There's probably about a, about a six to seven foot drop down in the middle of it once you get down into that hole. And that's where we see Gideon. He is down in a hole, hiding, scared. I can do this down here, and the enemy won't mess with me because I'm not really doing much of anything. And that's where the enemy wants you. He wants you paralyzed in fear. See, see, some of you have been pushed by the enemy for so long, and, you've, and, and it's felt like it's so hard. It seems like every time you get some progress, the enemy comes in and attacks you. You say this, I, I pray, but I feel like my situation gets worse. I, I come to church. Um, but then my, my, my circumstances just keep pressing. I worship God in church and I feel good. And by the time I get to the parking lot to my car, the enemy is already making me doubt and making me, making me walk in fear. So, so, so here I am. I, I, and you may say this. I'm retreating. I, I'm not on the front lines. I'm just in a hole spiritually speaking. And, and, and I'm not taking ground. I'm just trying not to be seen. Some of you say, well, that's, you know, it's great for you to talk about Gideon. 
you know, and being called a man of valor from an angel of the Lord. And the, the Lord hasn't come and spoke to me and told me that I, that I was a man of valor. But can I tell you this? Listen to me. Listen to me right now. Listen to me. This is what God says about you. Look at this. In John 16, 33, it says this. Listen to me. If you look in this book, you will find out exactly what God says about you. Look at this. John 16, 33 says this. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. The Lord has already overcome everything. Look at this. 1 John 4, 4, it says this. Little children, you read this verse earlier. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Look at this. Deuteronomy 28, 13 says this. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. Look at this. Isaiah 41.10 says this. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Look at this. Joshua 1.9. You ought to write this down. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and be courageous. Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Don't tell me God isn't speaking to you. You got to get your ears fixed. He's speaking to you every day. All you got to do is pick up this book and read what he says about you. He's speaking to you today. And God speaks to what we are, not where we are. And I'm grateful for that. I'm so grateful for that. See, we, we, hear, we hear it, and, and we should be encouraged to move on it. But sometimes we just get hunkered down, and we are afraid. And because the enemy is lurking and attacking, we find ourselves just like Gideon in a hole. And God calls Gideon a great warrior. I love that. What I love about this, he says, hey, you are a mighty man of valor. He calls him not for where he's at, but he calls him for what he is. You are a great, mighty man of valor. Amen? And I like this. And, and while his knees are shaken in the wine press, while he is hiding, the man of valor, there he is. And I love this response that, that, that the angel of the Lord, and some say this, I, I believe this, that this is a Christophany. This is a picture of Christ in the Old Testament that has come to speak directly to, to Gideon, whether it's an angel of the Lord or whether it's the Christ who come down. It doesn't matter. But this is what happened. He has this interchange with him and this exchange. Gideon begins to speak to him, the angel of the Lord speaks to him, and then he speaks to him. It's kind of like a volleyball game right here. Look at this. I want to show you this. And verse 13 says this, and Gideon said to him, after the angel said, you mighty man of valor, look what Gideon says. And Gideon said to him, please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And why are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, talking about Egypt, talking about how God had brought them off, saying, did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? Egypt, but now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hands of the Midians. I like this. I, I really like this. How many times do we do this? Do we say this? God, you aren't moving. God, why is all this bad stuff happening? 
He didn't even note that the, the angel of the Lord had told him, hey, you are a mighty man of valor. He didn't even, he didn't even just give that any thought. He, instead, he wants to complain about his situation rather than what the Lord has said about him. Boy, we can learn something right there. Amen. You know, I, 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 you know, we we think about this, and but look at look at Gideon's uh, look at his response to Gideon. I like this. Verse fourteen says this. Here's the volley. So so the angel of the Lord hits the ball over, and Gideon hits it back to Jesus or back to the angel, and then the angel says this in verse fourteen. And the Lord turned to him and said, "Go in his might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you." Think about that for a moment. Who is sending you, Gideon? Who is sending you right now? It's not in your power. It is my power. The I am. I am sending you. The God of the universe. Jehovah is sending you. It seems impossible, but listen to me. We know in Scripture that all things are possible to them that believe. Amen? Let me break this verse down for you. What, what the angel of the Lord is saying in verse 14 to Gideon is, I've got your back, Gideon. I don't care what you're complaining about. I've got your back. I like this. So then the ball comes back, and there's Gideon, verse 15. And he said to him, please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least of my father's house. Excuses, 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 excuses. We've all got excuses, amen. Oh, man. God, I, I'm from Manasseh. And, and, Lord, you know, that is, that is, that is, that we are weak people. I mean, they wrote that book, uh, The Diary of a Wimpy Tribe, was written about Manasseh. Some of you got that. Some of my younger people got that. All my preteens were like, yeah. All right. And, and, and so he, he's like, man, I am weak. Not only that, but I am the least in my father's house. I am not capable to do this. But look at this, verse 16. And the Lord said to him, volleying back. Uh, come on now, come on now, everyone say it with me. But what? I will be with you, and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. The Lord said he would be with him. I don't know about you, I, I, I look at Gideon here, and I think, man, uh, he, he felt weak, he felt inadequate. I don't know about you, sometimes I feel weak, sometimes I feel inadequate to do the things that God ha has, has told me to do. But look, when I look at this, and I see what God says to Gideon, if God could say it to Gideon, he could say it to you. Listen, I will be, be with you. He is a friend that sticks closer than a brother, Amen. 1 Corinthians 12, 9 says this, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Let me break that verse down for you. You are the weakness portion, but God's power is made strong working through your weakness. Amen. Paul says this, I'm weak, but that's, that's good because the Lord's strength is made perfect in weakness my weakness because you know what that means I can't do it on my own Lord I lean not to my own understandings but God I trust you in what you say God when you tell me to walk straight and I want to go left I just keep walking I put one foot in front of the other every day I get up and I say God I may not understand what you're doing but I trust you in this process God you've taken me matter of fact the scripture says this he takes us from glory to glory to glory to glory and I don't know about you, but I want to stay in step with what God's doing in my life. Amen. Verse 17, 
Gideon says, uh, well, you know, stay with me, Lord. If, 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 just stay with me a little bit longer if this is what you want me to do. And, and here's what, I, what I've learned from this. God didn't look at the situation that Gideon was in. He didn't look at the wine press. He didn't look at him hiding. He didn't look at how insecure he was. He called him for what he was, not where he was. Think about that for a moment. How many are glad that God called you out uh, and he saw you for what you were rather than where you were? Some of you were in drug houses and God called you for what you are, not where you were. Some of you were alcoholics. God called you for what you are, not where you were. Amen? So here's the second thing I want to look at in this story. Something else we can glean right here. God is so patient in our faith process. You know, I begin to think about this. I'm so glad that, that God is God and I am not. I sometimes am not the most patient person in the world. I know you look at me and say, oh, he is so perfect and holy and a great pastor and, and all these. No, 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 no. Listen, sometimes I am not the most patient person in the whole world. <laughs> I promise you, I promise you, I get frustrated at, when things don't go my way. Now, come on, don't look at me all pious like you don't get frustrated when things don't go your way sometimes, right? But this is, this is interesting. And you know what I love about God is he is not like me. He is calm. He is cool. He is collected. Even when things don't always seem to be working out because it, the scripture tells us this, he works all things for the good of them that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Amen? Oh, I love that. Then the angel of the Lord commands Gideon. He, he tells him this. He says, you know, make some bread. Make some goat. And lay them on the rock. And so he does this. I'm going to paraphrase this just to speed this up a little bit. And the angel of the Lord, he does something. He, he, he touches the bread where the, where the rock is. And he touches the bread with his staff and it burns up. Some of you say, that's kind of like my wife's cooking. It burns up, right? It's a burnt offering right there. And he, it burns up. And then the angel departs, right? Some of you are poking your wife. Some of you are not. Listen, you listen, marriage conference, two weeks, all right? Two weeks, marriage conference, all right? I, I'll, just, I'll just leave that one right there. I didn't, mean to, I didn't mean to do that. That's a good plug for the marriage conference right there, right? Then Gideon says, he says this, I, I, I have seen an angel of the Lord face to face. It's amazing to me. He, he finally realizes, you know, after God called him and told him all these good things, and then, then he has to burn this food, and then he's like, I have seen an angel of the Lord face to face. And look at this, verse 13, verse 13, he's afraid because he didn't see the hand of the Lord. And in verse 22, he's terrified because he saw the Lord. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of what? Wisdom. And so he knew in that moment, hey, 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 I, I shouldn't even be alive because I know what Exodus says, that no man should see the Lord and live. But here in this moment, he, he understands that. But he goes from fear to fellowship. Verse 23 and 24 says that he built an altar to the Lord and named it Jehovah Shalom, which it means this, God of peace. How many know that God wants to be our God of peace? Listen to me. Listen to me. After an encounter with God, after a moment with God in the altars, let me tell you something. In, in your life, you should have peace. I, I love that. Uh, from, from a scaredy cat 
to a cool cat. That's what happened to Gideon that day. He went from scaredy cat to a cool cat. He was altered and he was changed. You know what happens when I go to the altar? When I get up and I repent, I turn and God changes my situation. How many remember the day that you got saved? And when you got up from the altar, you went outside. The sky was a little bit bluer. The trees were a little bit greener. Things were greater and you were excited. You know what? That is the peace and the joy of God. This verse 25 says this, that night the Lord said to him, take your father's bull and the second bull seven years old and pull down the altars of Baal that your father has. Hmm, everyone said, uh-oh. And cut down uh, the Asherah that is beside it and build an altar to the Lord your God on the top of the stronghold here with stones laid in due order Then take the second bull and offer it as a burnt offering with wood of the Asherah that you shall cut down. Listen to me. If you're a note taker, you can write this down. After a revelation from God comes consecration from God. Listen, after you have a moment with God, there ought to be a consecration within you that says, hey, I, I have some things. That maybe I need to let some things go in my life. I, I love this. After God revealed himself to Gideon, he said this, Gideon, I got a problem with you and your family. There is some sin going on in your house right now. Oh, quiet in here now, isn't it? Your dad, he has an altar and, and, and he is worshiping Baal. And listen to me, if I'm going to use you, that thing must go. That thing must be tore down. Before you can even deal with the Midianites, you have to deal with your own family and your own house. Come on, somebody. How can we expect victory on the the big level if we can't get it in our homes and in our own lives? Private faithfulness is a prerequisite to public usefulness. I'll say that again. I know that I listen. Private faithfulness is a prerequisite to public usefulness. Why do you why do you say that? Because I know God will not bless when there is sin in your life. And this is why the Midianites had been victorious. Look at this. Judges 6 1 says this the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord did what? He did what? He did what? He gave them to the hand of the Midianites. You're going to do wrong? You want free will? Here you go. Go for it. See, Israel had started worshiping other gods. Anything, and let me tell you this, anything between you and the one true God is called an idol. I don't care what it is. You could pick it out. You could you can throw it in the lane. And you know what the Bible says? And justify it how you want. That is called good old fashioned S I N sin. Anything between you and God is sin. And some of us are battling and crying for deliverance, and we haven't even taken our inventory of our own lives. And we've got idols that we've built in our own lives. And let me tell you something: they are a serious offense to God. I know it's quiet in here. I know it's super quiet in here right now. But listen, I, I think you're getting this. Listen to me. Sometimes, listen, you got to be careful. I, I think God, God loves us and God has given us families. But sometimes our family be, can become an idol before God. Sometimes our spouse or our relationship can become an idol before God. You shall worship me. 
put no other God before me. Listen, God has to be number one. I love this woman over here with the hat. You're the only one in the hat with the hat. Well, Larry's got a hat. I love this woman right here on the front row with a hat. I love Larry too, but not in the same way. But listen to me. I love the Lord first. Matter of fact, when I love him first, when I've got this right, man, it strengthens our relationship and we grow together and it's all good. Here's another one. Here's another idol that can get in front of us. Wealth the search for wealth, and I got to make money. How about this, career success? If I can only get this job, if I can just go a step further, and I'm after all these things, and listen to me, those are not bad things to have, but the Bible says that those things will disappear one day. Wealth and careers, listen, one day you're going to be so old, they're going to be like, we got to get someone new in here. Come on, move on out. Here's another one, your image. Oh, whoo, right? Oh, man, I'm worried about my image. How about this? Romance. So Gideon, the great man of faith, he, he, deals, uh, he, he deals with the idols that night. And I love that he is such a great man of faith that the way that he deals with them is when everyone's asleep, he goes and takes care of it while everyone's asleep. He doesn't go in the middle of the day, but he goes at nighttime is what the Scripture says. And he does it quietly. And the Scripture says that when everyone woke up around him there, they were mad at Gideon for casting down the altar of Baal. This is interesting to me. They were frustrated with him. Matter of fact, they gave him a name uh, and, and about him. And, and, and basically, they, just, they basically kind of said, hey, we, we hope that Baal judges you for doing the things that you've done. But listen, if you're going to serve God, he's going to be number one. If you're going to serve God, he has to be number one. There's nothing that you can put between you and God. God will be number one or he'll be nothing at all. And if you're going to be free and you want victory... You're going to have to cast down every idol in your life. And before Gideon even steps foot on the battlefield, he had to get some things right at home. Oh, come on, somebody. And people, they got mad at him. Verse 34, after running out the idols in his, in his life and in his family and in his nation, verse 34 says this, and I love this part of this verse. It says this. Uh, it says, but the spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon. Everyone say that with me. But the spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon. When Gideon got the idols out, guess what happened? The spirit of God came down and clothed Gideon in that moment. In that moment, not because Gideon, uh, but because of God. Not because of a church program, but because of God. Not because of indoctrination, but inspiration from God. Amen. But look at this. This is I love this. In, in, in verse 36 through, through 40, we, we learn of God's patience again with Gideon. Gideon was somebody, man, he liked to ask a lot of questions of the Lord. So look at this. He has this moment, and this is where we get that moment, laying our fleece before the Lord. And he has this fleece moment with God. And still a little shaky and unsure uh, uh, who, who he was, he asked God, hey, if you will save Israel by my hand, then, then this is what I need you to do. I'm going to lay this fleece out tonight. 
I'm going to lay this fleece out tonight, and this is what I need you to do, Lord. Just so I know, like it's like us, God, I will witness to that, uh, to that person in Walmart, Lord, if a crow flies through here with a piece of bread in its mouth. And, you know, like we, we put all these things down for God. But, I, but here's what he does. He, he puts this fleece out, and he says, God, if you will saturate that fleece tonight and you keep the ground uh, dry when I come to it in the morning, Lord, that will be enough for me to move forward with this. And so what does the Lord do? Man, Gideon goes to sleep. He gets up, and the fleece is so soaked that he could fill a bowl with it. How many know that God wants to saturate us with the Spirit of God, and God wants to pour out over us not just a little bit but a lot? Oh, but, man, you know Gideon, he's got questions, right? And so then he comes along, and he's like, okay, God, I saw what you did there. I like what you did there. One more time, because he's such a man of faith. One more time, God, this is what I want to do. I'm going to put a fleece out again. But this time, I want you to keep the fleece dry and the ground wet. And God's like, okay, here we go. So he goes to sleep, and he wakes up the next day, and he goes out, and the fleece is dry, and the ground is wet. And, and it's, it's very interesting to me when I think about these requests. You know, we do that to the Lord all the time. Lord, if you will do this, Lord, if you will do this, then I will take that step of faith. Lord, if you do this, I will do that. And then the Lord does it, and then we're like, God, one more thing, right? One more thing. Something to think about here. I think the first request was, was, Lord, I can do nothing without your spirit. Amen? And here's what I know. You'll never move to the front of the battle. You'll never have victory in the battle unless you're saturated with the, with the spirit of God. He'll lead. He'll guide you. He'll help you. And he'll keep you. Listen to me. Secondly, uh, you know, he said, Lord, make the, make the ground wet around the fleece and keep the fleece dry, he prayed. And this is something I think that, that I think maybe a little insecurity within with Gideon here is this. Lord, if I, if I dry up, if I fail, if I mess up, God, may those around you know that, that your name is glorified. May the anointing still be. If I fail in this, God, may your anointing cover everything. Amen. Everyone say amen. Here's number three. I'm going to ask the worship team to come as this is right here. Success is determined by God's power, not ours. Success in the battle is, is, is determined by God's power, not ours. Not ours. When we move forward to chapter 7 here, Gideon, he starts this, this uh, uh, process of selecting his army. I don't know about you, but if I was going to go out into battle, I'd be looking for the most strapping people. I'd look for the strongest people. That would be, that'd be my ideal, right, and find the most people that are most qualified. And when he calls the army, listen, 32,000 Israelites show up for the battle. Yeah, that's pretty good, right? 32,000 people show up for the battle. And the Midianites, listen, had 120,000. I don't like those odds, right? I don't know about you. That's, that's like four, four Midianites to one Israelite. And, and I don't like those odds, and neither does God. God says, I don't like those odds either. This is what I want you to do. Gideon, I want you to tell everyone that is afraid, and if they want to go home, to leave right now. If I was Gideon, I would be like, God, I'm going to lay out another fleece for this moment. But he says, if you're afraid and you want to go home right now, leave. Just like that, 22,000 leave. 
a bunch of scaredy cats. And he's down to 10,000 men. Now, now uh, you know, I, I, I would be like, God, I really don't like these odds. Now there are 12 Midianites to every one Israelite. That means every person has to, to, to kill one, uh, 12 Midianites. That, that's a lot for, to ask of people. And God speaks to Gideon one more time, and he says this, I, I don't like those odds. So this is what I want you to do. I want you to send everyone to the brook to get a drink. He says, I, I want you to, to look, and I want you to tell them to get a drink. But listen, I, I need you. This is how we're going to separate who is fighting and who is not fighting. Those who get down on their knees and they drink like a dog. I don't know why, whose mind would want to do that. But th- if they get down and they drink like a dog, if they lap up, they're a little bit crazy. And God says, tell them to go home. But the ones who go down and they cup and they begin to drink this way, you take them. But listen, here's, here's I want to show you something here, something a- applicable to us. God's looking for people that are diligent, that are watching for the enemy, that, that don't have their head down trying to satisfy what they want, but they are cupping and they're saying, God, I, I'm, 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 I'm being satisfied with, by what you're giving, but I'm watching for the enemy at this moment. So guess what? 9,700 disappear. Bunch of dog drinking people. I don't know what's going on with them. There's 300 men. Gideon, you mighty man of valor with 300 men, you're going to take on a camp. You know what that, those odds are? 400 Midianites to every Israelite soldier. Now you got to kill 400 per person. Maybe you feel like today the odds are are stacked against you. It seems impossible. Listen to me. God, you need to relax. You need to relax because God may be setting you up to show up big in your situation. It may seem like impossible things. And God will see you through. And listen, know this. When you get through this thing, God, you'll know that God will get the glory because it's something that only he could have done with his hands and not in your own strength. So God, he does this thing. He, one more time, he encourages Gideon. I'm telling you, he is so patient with Gideon. And Gideon may be just a little bit, and God says, this is what I want you to do, Gideon. I want you to sneak into the Midianite camp. Tonight, And so he goes down there with his servant, and, and they're sitting there, and they hear a Midianite soldier speaking. And one soldier comes out, and he says, man, I, I had a dream. And he said, I had this weird dream that this cake came rolling down the hill, and this cake came down, and it landed on us, and it crushed us. And, and this soldier said this, I believe that God is going to use Gideon to take us out. i tell you what, if I was Gideon, I'd be going, I don't know how this is going to happen, but, but one more time he encourages Gideon, and this is what he does. Gideon, 
And as a matter of fact, after that bit of scripture, it says this, that getting in that moment, begin to worship God. Listen to me, before you ever go into the battle, you got to start with worship. You already, you got to know that God is already going to give you the victory. you got to look ahead. you got to see what God sees and stop seeing the way that you see things. And I believe in that moment when Gideon saw that and heard that from those men, he thought, God, you are going to be my strength. God, you are going to lead me to victory. Amen. He gives every man a pitcher, a lamp, and a trumpet. You know, very strategic for battle, right? A lamp, a pitcher, and a trumpet, right? No sword, no AK-47, no bazookas, no shields. No, these, these are the weapons that, that God told him to give to those men. Look at this. I, I love this. Listen to me. That tells me that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. I'm not going to be able to fight this battle in my own power. I can't do it. Listen, but God has provided me with weapons, weapons like prayer, weapons like praise, weapons like speaking in tongues, things that can, can build up and things that can glorify God. Gideon, I love this. He tells them, he says, when, when we get stationed and you hear me blow my trumpet, I want you guys all to blow your trumpets, and I want you guys to yell this. I want you to say this, the sword of the Lord and Gideon. Everyone say, the sword of the Lord and Gideon. I guess he had to throw his name in there. I don't know why. And the Bible says this, that he blew the trumpet, and these 300 men strategically placed around the, the enemy's camp began to blow their trumpets. And then they broke the pitchers that they had the lamps in. And then the Midianites, when they looked up on the hill, they heard the trumpets. They heard these men, 300 men screaming, the sword of the Lord. And they began to get scared. And they saw that all these 300 lights around them. And they thought, man, there is, there's, there's 10,000 soldiers per light. We are in trouble. We are surrounded. There's nothing we can do. And confused, the Midianites thought, thought, thought that there were 300,000 men. And they fled that day. They began to fight each other. And God gave them the victory. Listen to me. When the enemy comes in like a flood, God will raise up a standard against him. And when God, God works things for the good of them that love the Lord. Amen. The battle is the Lord's. I said that last week. The battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. Listen, if you'll stand your ground, listen to me. Number one, stand your ground. Be obedient to the Lord. Praise his name. He'll give you the victory. Our success is based on his power, the Holy Spirit, his, and his grace over our lives. Nothing else. Here we go. Listen to me. Things you need to know about the battle. Number one, right here. God sees you for what you are, not where you are. You may not be in a perfect situation right now. You may be in a hole in the ground. But God's looking at you and he's saying, get out of that pit. You are a man of valor. Woman, you are a woman of God. You are victorious. Get out of that pit today. Here's the second thing. God is patient in the process. Private faithfulness is a prerequisite to public usefulness. You got to get your life right. You got to get all the sin out of your life. And here's what I've learned. You got to trust God in the process. And this is oftentimes we want to question God. And it's okay to ask God questions, but it's not when he gives you an answer, it's not okay to question God. I said a mouthful there, but that's good. It's okay to ask God questions, but when he gives you an answer, it's not okay to 
question God because the scripture tells us trust in the Lord and God with all your heart and what lean not to your own understandings and all your ways acknowledge him and what he will direct your paths. Number three right here, success is determined by God's power, not ours. It's not by the sword in our hand. Do you know why? Because my flesh is weak. My flesh is weak. And our weakness, though, this is what I know. God is made strong and he gets the glory. Will you bow your heads with me all across this building? Heavenly Father, God, I pray right now, Lord, for those who might be dealing with the battle, might be fighting a situation, God, who may feel down in their hearts, struggling. Maybe you feel like you're in a pit today. Say, Pastor, you were talking to me. I haven't been doing the things that God wants me to and today I know what he says about me and I've been focused on where I am not what he says about me maybe you're here and you say hey I've got some idols some things that I've put between me and my relationship with God that I need to set straight today and I want to get victory today if that's you will you just lift your hand in in this house right now no one looking around Anybody in the building, thank you, thank you. Anybody else, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Anybody in the balcony, come on, anybody. Come on, will you wait just a moment? This is this is what I want to do, come on. Let's be patient, thank you. Come on, come on, hands, thank you. Hands going up all over the place today. Come on, just begin to worship him. Will you stand with me all across this building? Oh, come on, Lord. Lord, I just pray right now. Will you just lift your hands? Everybody just lift your hands. God, I pray for those who feel like they're in the battle right now, God, who, who feel like maybe they've been in the pit. Maybe they've retracted. Maybe they, they're, they're scared to go to the front lines. God, I pray, Lord, that you would just begin to call them out, God. Begin to call them out for what they are, not where they are. God, begin to call them the child of God that they are. God, begin to tell them, Lord, that they are the head and not the tail. God, let them know, Lord, that you are with them, God, that you will give them strength, God, that they are a mighty man of valor. They are a mighty woman of God. God, with your power working within them. God, and I pray today, Lord, those who have idols, maybe some things that they've put between God and themselves. God, God, I pray, Lord, that those idols be broken down right now. God, break those things. Break those things in Jesus' name. Break those things. God, we give you those things. God, we lay them down at your feet today. We say, God, take control. God, take these things in Jesus' name. We worship you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, begin to work right now. God, begin to move and minister. This is what I want to do. I I know the hour is is closing. Listen, uh, I promise I'm not trying to keep you longer. I, I have to do what the Holy Spirit's asking me to do in this moment. If you're here, I want you to do something. If you raise your hand, listen. We're not, I don't want to call you out. I don't want, I don't want to make you feel bad. I'm not trying to tell you there's anything wrong with your life. You just say, hey, pastor, I need to lay some things down here at the altar. I want you to do something today. I want, I want you to take a step. I want you to take a step towards these altars. There's something about when we come to the altar. When we come to the altar of God, we can set those things down. Come on, somebody, come on. Somebody come today. Come on, somebody come today. Thank you, thank you. Somebody come today. Listen, there's one. Come on, somebody comes. Come on, come on. These altars are open. Listen, these altars are open. These altars are open. Come on, maybe you're here today and you say, everything's good 
good in my life. I feel like I'm victorious, that I'm, that I'm fighting the good fight. I want you to stretch your hands this way then and begin to lift up these people that have come forward today. Come on, I need some people to come pray. Come on, I, I, I need some board members. I need some people to come pray. Come on, begin to help them. Begin to lift them up today. God, we, we cast down all idols, God. God, anything that has put its place between uh, us and you, God, God, we cast it down in the name of Jesus. God, we're not going to shrink back from the enemy. The enemy is a thief. He's come to steal. He's come to kill. He's come to destroy. But listen, Lord, the back part of that verse says that you have come to give life and life more abundantly. Life and life more abundantly. God, we speak life into situations. God, we speak hope into situations. Jesus, begin to do the work that you can only do in this house, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come on, can you just stretch your hands towards heaven? Begin to worship him. Begin to worship him.